Welcome to the Stories We Don't Tell, a podcast about storytelling. This is Joey. Am I Stefan? I am Stefan. My name is Paul. On today's show, the crew discusses how a story evolves over time. But first, Vishal shares a story about finding more meaning in his life. It's nearly been like 20 years of working nonstop, job to job, country to country. I, I just need a break. Just want that rejuvenation to help let the next steps emerge. And wish I could do this now. I don't know, perhaps even accompany you on your return trip to India in a couple of months. So this was summer 2018. Are you nuts? first response from my mom and she continued and she's like she goes on and on and says you know how hard this choice of you moving to Canada was for both of us and now you just want to quit your full-time job here to relax with me and do nothing like I can't believe you are saying this Vishal like besides knowing what I know you once you step away from work for a long time you are going to lose that urge to get back in the ring. And she just slapped her forehead very hard in total dismay. And that was a bit of a shocker for me, but at the same time, I gave a sheepish smile because she did have a point. Maybe it was one of those temporary disgruntled phases at work. After all, she knows me better than anybody else in this world. So I said, okay. Maybe I just need to sleep over it. And I did. But the feeling did not go away. And it just continued to come back stronger every day. Day after day, I was feeling this. And I was like, come back from work, following which mom and I would catch up over some masala chai. And she would ask, how was the day? And that's it. Just that question. And I would go off like a broken record. And I'd be like, yeah, it was fine, but I don't like this. I don't like that. I think I need a break, not just from the job, but from this work, treadmill, blah, blah, blah. The routine continued for about a few weeks. And until one day, her patience basically ran out. And she just said, you know what? If you feel so strongly about this, let's do it as long as we can sail through on the financial front. And you promise, you are going to promise me now that you will find and another job in Canada upon returning and that you will come back to Canada as well. Let's work through the options and just move ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this. Tell me the truth. Which organization are you joining? These were, the, these were my CEO's words on my last working day. And I said, I'll be going to India tomorrow. I just want to relax. I, I don't want to do anything for a few months and see, here are my tickets. And the next night, I was like a little happy kid sitting next to my mom on our return flight to India. And I felt relieved. And somewhere inside, I also felt like a victorious guy, right? As if, as if I had won some major championship title or something, because I, I was walking the talk. I actually unplugged from the corporate world uh, when I wanted to, right? So that, that just gave a sense of huge sense of accomplishment, tiny, tiny or huge at the same time. 
Now, once in India, every day of having to wake up with no agenda was recharging. I grew a full beard. I slept as if I had never slept before, almost like a child. I, I must have had like a million heart-to-heart -heart long conversations with my mom. I partied every single day, tried different types of cuisines, different types of uh, drinks, beverages, etc. everything, catching up with friends, meeting neighbors and saying, yeah, are you up for a party? Sure, I'm up for a party. I showed up for family gatherings, especially the events, uh, marriages or functions, which I'd never been there for, for a long time, because I was always traveling. I was globetrotting. And just for fun, I even started maintaining an informal journal just to see what goes on in my mind, right? So like a running notebook, just trying to figure out, so how does my mind think? Like when I wake up and now I'm not tied, tied with a schedule, a work schedule. So how's my mind thinking? I just started noting those things down, hoping to find an answer, hoping to say, okay, maybe my next step could be this. My next step could be that but not trying to conclude anything, just write. Rough notes, question marks, does this make sense? A lot of self-reflection, a lot of improvement related stuff saying, this is, a, this is a challenge area which I have, this is a weakness which I have, this is a strength which I have. So it's kind of self-mentoring myself casually. And honestly, I could see myself doing all of that for the rest of my life. So few months pass by and I'm like, yay, I'm in this mode and I'm just having a lot of fun recharging. And mom is seeing all this. So she's not disturbing. She's participating. She's going with my spirit, blah, blah, blah. After a couple of months, I think was the time where she had to remind me of the promise that I made her. She's like, okay, look, guy, three months, done. Now it's time come out of this, right? So it's time for you to look for a new job and really pack your bags and head back. And bam, just like that, I felt like a satellite which had been thrown back from outer space. I was re-entering Earth. It was good while it lasted though. So I came back, found another job, joined it with full zest. It even offered I guess an even better work-life balance than the previous one. And I would wrap up my work around 6-ish PM. Then I would head to the waterfront, which is nearby, try some new cuisines. I like trying new, new types of food. So I said, hey, you know, let me try this. Let me give this a shot. Depending on the season, I would also experiment with beverages, different types. Uh, meet a friend every now and then, maybe invite some friends over or go to friends' places, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe go to like meetups. So meetups have gained a lot of popularity lately. So just, you know, like show up for events and say, okay, so this is a beer and philosophy meetup group. Let me just go check it out kind of thing, right? So I'm doing all of this, but somewhere inside, I don't know how, why, somewhere this boredom started to creep back in. I don't know how it found its way and it just started to give that little nudge and i'm like damn i i just rolled up my eyes i could not believe i i was 
was like, I cannot believe this. I just came back from like a four, five, three, four, five month time off career break. I even put that on my LinkedIn. Officially, I said, what am I doing? People ask me, what did you do during these four months? I said, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Try it. <laughs> but now this boredom has started creeping in and I'm like, man, people strive for this balance and I'm getting bored. What is this? Right? So I'm, I'm confused. And now I cannot talk about this to my mom for obvious reasons. Right? So I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, what else can I try? I, I was tempted to talk to her for a bit, but I was, I just knew that what she, her answer was going to be that I told you so. And I hate it when she says that because nine out of 10 times she's right. So I'm like, okay, let me figure this out. Okay. So what else can I try without filling my calendar just for the heck of it? Can I add anything meaningful to the mix? Not technical because before moving to Canada uh, in India, I did my share of technical volunteering. There was a, there was a local chapter, which I led along with a couple of other people. It was for the uh, cyber security community. So I, I had my share of leading a chapter and having the events and coordinating with speakers, yada, yada, but all technical. So it was for the local technical community in Delhi. That's where I uh, am from. And it was a lot of fun, right? So I was like, okay, fine. I'm done with that. That's not what I'm looking for. Incidentally, one of my friends here in Toronto who knew that I, I was involved with that kind of technical volunteering, she did suggest, she did say, hey, if you're interested, you can, we'd love to have you on the chapter board and all that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. you know, like something which doesn't, doesn't hit you from inside. You're like, yeah, I've kind of been there, done that. I'm, I'll, I'll let you know kind of thing. So anyway, so I'm trying to figure this out and saying, what else can I do? Like, are there activities that could help me give back to society? Just a urge from inside. I don't know why I had the urge at that time, but I started having that urge. I said, something, there should be a way for me to give back more meaningful. How do I do that? Uh, okay, so we are, <laughs> we're, we're hopping in here uh, in the middle of, of Vishal's story to chat a little bit about the ways stories can evolve over time. Uh, because some of you may be aware, we are in the midst of a global pandemic, which has made having live in-person events, shall we say, difficult or ill-advised and downright banned for very good reason. And so we have not been able to do the normal workshops that we've been doing. And so instead, we've just been sort of hosting more informal workshops where people sort of can work through their stories at their own pace. And, you know, normally after two workshops, people tell us a story and that sort of ends our arc. And yet, you know, this year has provided a much longer arc available. And Vishal really took uh, advantage of that. And you know, came to, I think, maybe three months of worth, and it really evolved the story over time. And so we wanted to think about this sort of fact that, you know, honestly, A, of so how stories evolve over time, but also B, when do you know a story is done? As a secondary question, which I just thought of right now, but 
Well, these are interesting and very important questions. Um, before we dive into beginning to talk about this, we do want to say that you will hear the rest of the story in only a matter of moments. And so don't think that, uh, you know, our conversation about what stories can be and when they are done is the ending and conclusion of his story, because you will hear it soon. Well, it, this was something that uh, when, we were, when we were talking about this uh, particular story um, off mic, it was something interesting uh, to me that came up was, was that this is sort of a new experience for, for us at the same time, because we uh, usually, as Stefan mentioned, when we're doing events, we do workshops, but there's always a pretty solid deadline um, of, uh, you know, you have to present it at the event uh, at some point where right now we don't know when that, that's going to be. But, um, and so the, the interesting thing uh, to me was just, well, you know, when you're allowed uh, more time, how does that story, how does that affect the story in a way? Um, are deadlines good, bad? Can they be, sometimes a deadline can be very helpful and sometimes it can be difficult. Deadlines are really tricky. I think deadlines can, depends, it depends on your, your sense of uh, procrastination because, and then your, your sense of like, if you find less time inspiring, because I know sometimes that can be the case. I've had experiences where I'll get an idea and I'll definitely write down an idea, but I won't necessarily start writing it out until I know that there is a deadline. And then, you know, sometimes it's like a couple of days before it'll be, you know, the magic hour really, and things get finished or even, you know, you don't really don't want to run into the day before. And then I guess that's another, that's another issue that can come up. If you write just under the deadline, then there's not enough, there's not a lot of time to let it um, percolate and you don't have enough time to maybe see if what you just wrote actually works. Yeah. And, and for me, another thing that's missing in terms of these deadlines with, without the show, without the opportunity of doing the show is one of my favorite parts is that this sort of last um, uh, layer of editing that we've talked about before, when you are specifically going, okay, now how do I uh, shape or frame the story or how do I do it differently when I thinking of, of being in front of an audience and speaking it out loud, um, how do, what's the difference? You know, what's, how do you kind of shape it in a different way uh, where, I mean, but maybe also the good thing about this is that this all gives us a chance to work on, you know, just the writing of the storytelling aspect of it. I don't know. The first for me is that, you know, getting at that second question of when I think a piece is done, I think it also depends on how you've gotten to that place in that a, a thing I found striking about Vishal's uh, workshopping of the story is that he came and I feel like always knew what the story was about. There was a very clear intention understanding of the story was about that that came through in the very first story. And then it was about refining the story to get to a place where that it felt that that intention was most well served. But I've also personally experienced the flip side of that, which is that I'm inspired to write a thing or about a thing, but I don't actually know why. You know, I, it, you know, it, it's a little more of the journaling maybe kind of experience of beginning writing where you where you're inspired to sort of work something out, but that you don't know why you're working it out and you don't know actually what you're trying to say. And to me, for that version, it's much more clear when I've hit it. Like when I finally got to, to that secondary version, I'm like, okay, I'm, I've now figured out what the story is about. Here it is. And that feels much more solid. 
I think it's actually harder when you when you know what it's about, but you're trying to craft it the other direction. I think that's actually more difficult for me, at least, in regards to understanding when I'm sort of you know finished a story per se. Do you find it easier if you explore through the writing? Is that what I'm? I find it easier knowing when I'm done if I'm exploring through the writing. I think actually the writing process is easier if you know what it's about. <laughs> ironically, I, I, but but I think right. you can get trapped in the never-ending loop of editing then. Right. Like, I think you can just never stop editing because it always could theoretically be better. And so at some point, someone has to be like, no, it's good. Share it. Stop. Because you you can get trapped. Yeah. Yeah. I'm that that trap feeling that I feel like haunts me um, because, I mean, theoretically, as you're saying, you could edit forever and things will get better and better and better the more you spend. But for me, I often find it I have to. I have to be in the right moment to keep editing. And that like right moments really almost never continuously happen with a single story for me at least. So I, I find that I, in some situations I've edited myself out of a good story <laughs> because if you edit, if you're not in the right headspace for it, maybe you're editing out pieces that are really integral to moving, like to making the connection with a reader or, or a listener rather. And, and so it ultimately can wind up like maybe the theme entirely changes. Maybe the meaning that drove you to write the story in the first place is completely edited out. Um, I've had that happen before. And, and then even in just saying this, I know, I know the very first story I ever wrote for stories we don't tell, um, I had months. I think I was working on it in a, I didn't workshop it uh, for months, but I had months and I would go back to it. And it wound up, I honestly became probably like the tightest and best story I've written so far. And so in that sense, more time was really helpful, but, um, but I didn't, but I think in like you're saying, Stefan, I always knew what the story was about. So I didn't, it was, it got better because I knew which pieces to remove. But if you're unclear and unsure about what the story is about, I can very much see how you're just writing yourself into a corner of just words, but no meaning. Yeah. Or in the, in the editing, sometimes I find you can, you know, there's editing that obviously makes it better. And then there's editing where it's not even making it say worse or anything, but you need to figure out what that, where that place is where uh, you're like, uh, I'm just moving things around. Like I'm not even making it better or worse. I'm just kind of like moving things around and I just need to stop. It's going, this is what it is, you know? Yeah, I think that's, that's another piece of it too is, is and I feel like I say this not, uh, not infrequently, which is you really have to trust your audience. At some point, you know, maybe if you switched this paragraph around with this paragraph, it might be better. Or maybe if you didn't say the sentence, it might make the whole thing stronger. But ultimately, if you kept them the other way, that doesn't mean that the meaning and the joy of the story is gone. And so, you know, like you're saying, at some point, just trust it. And, um, and part of that trust, I think, is, is really trusting the audience that the audience will go with you on the journey no matter you know whether or not you declare it done uh, or or if you keep going to me when i get to that point is when i want either as you mentioned earlier joey uh a fresh set of my own eyes so i want to give myself time to put it down go be a different person and come back for a couple days later and then read it again and and that allows me to sort of see it in one way or i need someone else to read it like that's to me the, those are the two values of that point. When I get to the point where I'm like, am I just moving this in circles or am I doing something? There's no amount of immediate work possible 
for me to be able to get it. Like you, it has to be set down or sent away to somebody else because your brain is reading. You're not just reading what you have now. You've reading what you've changed previously. You're reading every other piece, every other edit you already have had. And, and all the context that you had previously is still swirling in your brain. So it doesn't have the same clarity that you could theoretically hope for. And so, yeah, so that, I think you're, I think you know that, that you need that space in some way. Well, so why don't we get back to hear the rest of Vishal's story. And uh, I think I speak for everybody here where I hope uh, when we can get back to doing events that he will share the story uh, in front of one of our audiences and you'll get to hear it live and in person. That's when I came to know about hospice volunteering. And incidentally, it was the same friend who invited me for that technical volunteering bit. She mentioned this in passing. Uh, why, after hearing me out, she's like, I think I know where you're coming from. Maybe a couple of options you could consider are, and she started off and says, hospice volunteer. I'm like, hmm, okay, let me look that up. I am reminded of an old story or a funny story that I had around hospices, which was interesting because I, I had no clue about the difference between a hospice and a hospital. So one of my coworkers uh, a couple of years back says, my uncle's at the hospice. And I'm like, sounds heavy, sounds serious. So I'm like, hey man, sorry to hear that. You meant hospital, right? The coworker is like, what? No, I meant hospice these are focused on end of life care and i'm i'm literally scratching my head i'm like either there is life or there is death what the heck do you mean by end of life like when did that those phases happen right so i, I was like okay uh, fine i mean i didn't know this concept was there so i hope your uncle feels better and we kind of ended that conversation seems interesting i did not do anything about it till now when this this reference came or this suggestion came from my friend around hospice volunteering the concept did intrigue me back then but sounded very hazy very weird i'm like what anyway but sounded good sounded good weird and interesting but not interesting enough for me to do something at that point maybe i was not ready to give back at that point so now i'm thinking i'm like there are two questions in my mind i'm saying is this the right time to explore? Maybe. Maybe this is all could also be my way to give a tribute to my dad, uh, who I lost long time back. And he never had this kind of privilege. I mean, his, his end of life was pretty intense, but he never had this privilege where it was gracefully handled through this kind of concepts. I'm like, maybe I can do both, right? I've always I always try to give back in some way. I try to pay my tribute to him even now, even though it has been that long that he's been gone, right? So anyway, with that, I look things up and uh, I find that there is a hospice, which is uh, not too, not that far from my place. I don't drive, right? So I'm like, okay, so with public transit, I think I can manage. So I go in for an interview, the interview gets done. I, I was pretty sure I would not make it because the kind of questions I had never heard those type of questions before. I come from a technical background, right? So I'm like, and I'm being asked these things around a lot of 
intense behavioral things and i'm like hmm and in my mind i'm going and scripting and i'm like fail 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 you know the result you're not going to make it right but lo and behold uh, we part ways like with the interviewer and then uh, i get a call saying that congratulations we were uh, we were very happy we were very impressed with what you shared and your story and we think you'd make for a good volunteer and i'm like is this me okay and i'm like okay great let's get started and then they put that big wrench on it and then they say you have to go through a formal volunteer training which is like a 40 50 hour training and that's also classroom training now i'm a restless guy in classes and in general right so i'm like hmm okay and that's that will be on evenings i'm like oh man after a full time job sitting in a class for 3 hours 4 hours is maybe it's for a lot of people for me i'm a restless guy i bounce around and i'm like you're going to have me sit in that 3 4 hour class and i'm like i hope i haven't signed up for something uh that i may not be a good fit for so anyway with that i said okay i'll give it a shot because the hosp the uh hospice team or the the coordination team they did mention that at the end of the training you'll have the option to decide what you want to do etc so i day one of the class i make it somehow barely make it on time i'm the last person in who makes a screeching end everybody is kind of already seated and i'm i'm figuring out and i'm confused with the look and feel of the training venue because it looked like somebody's house right as if you're in, invited to a house party and i'm like this is supposed to be at some hospital or something which is called a long term care and i'm like oh this is i walk in i'm just first of all i'm looking at all the sofas around i'm like this is a beautiful long term care you know so after that i go through that that area and then i uh ask around i said i'm here i'm 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 a volunteer i've just signed up where do i go and i go to the class and what i witnessed after making that screeching entry blew my mind so i didn't want to show my reaction at that point otherwise the entire class would have kind of been diverted but i was super excited i'm like casual atmosphere class was organized as round tables an instructor who actually has a big smile on her face and i'm like wait a second this is end of life care this is serious stuff right so it's supposed to be gloomy and it's not supposed to be in my mind my stereotype was it's not supposed to be funny but no uh the smiling instructor is there there is a lot of food behind and i had a light lunch so for for of course for the first few minutes i forgot about everything else i'm focusing on the food and all the variety so and and then the instructor actually mentions this that uh i get acknowledged hey and i'm like yeah i briefly introduce myself very quickly and they're like yeah feel free to grab whatever you feel like i'm like perfect thank you i'll talk to you later right so first 10 15 minutes i'm just focused on oh they have this or they have whatever like they have a whole bunch of things now after that nothing like a typical corporate or a university classroom that i used to dread being in in all these previous decades of working i've never been a classroom fan like i don't know there are probably people who are but i've been the restless guy right so i'll be like 
you can hold me in a class for like 45 minutes max after that i would want to go and do something right but this is a 3 hour class so i'm sitting i'm trying to figure this out and people a lot of definitions around what's end of life care what's a hospice what's expected from volunteers and as i'm listening the the, the curious monkey in me is asking questions so my hand keeps going up right and i'm like stop my right my right hand is telling my left hand stop do not ask this right but i'm curious i want to know and we finished this 3 hour class lot of learning lot of self reflection and i am feeling at like the class ends around 9 pm and i was shocked how fresh i felt people were rushing to go back like you know like they're like okay the class is done i need to go back home and i'm like wow what was this it almost felt as if somebody took a section of my brain and for the first time i myself got a chance to do an uh, introspection of, around my brain right so i was like wow this is uh, this is interesting after a full day at my job screeching entry light lunch and a 3 hour class i'm actually feeling fresh i'm like hmm something is wrong so something is off so anyway i felt more self aware and so much so i was so excited that i skipped the street car <laughs> started walking back and then i'm like why is my why is my cross street not coming why am i still walking and then i'm like walking time 30 minutes i'm like oh so i just forgot about that part right so this kind of feeling i never ever experienced after being in a classroom and the best part was <laughs> i go back and my mom was visiting again she was at home and she saw that reaction she's like you look happy i'm like you have no idea what i discovered right and then the same question how was your day she asked the same question and i this time the answer is completely different i'm like this is awesome and there are so many assignments and very interesting and we'll do them together and blah 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 blah, blah. and she's like okay now now i can sense that you're back I'm like yeah i guess so so these days i have i'm on a regular hospice uh, shift like volunteer shift and i guess every time when i get done there is a huge sense of contentment something which i have never felt before like a sense of intentional contribution to the society wherein you are deliberately making an effort to contribute to make your existence count for the part of the world that you are living in in some way right and actively just feel so good and privileged uh and in fact like recently there was a visitors for a resident so at the hospice people are not referred to as patients from the intent of dignity they are referred as residents because really you're giving them a happy somewhat happy end of life farewell kind of thing as they transition right so one of the visitors for a res resident they came to print their street parking pass at the reception so i am at the reception at the moment and we got talking a little bit and i'm doing the drill and kind of checking the temperature and making sure uh that everything is in order the person had stepped out stepped back in so 
I became the gatekeeper by, you know, saying you need to change your mask. Um, so, so on and so forth. So I've done all of that. The guy comes back and we talk and I guide the person and I say, okay, you want to print? I can help you. He's like, nah, well, the form will actually ask for credit card details. And I'm not really comfortable sharing that. Last time I printed, I, I could do it from the second computer. So if, if you're okay, I, I'd like to do, do it myself. I'm like, sure, go for it. No problem. If you need help, just let me know. The guy's busy doing his thing. Uh, I'm checking in just a little bit and saying, are you okay? Is everything okay? Do you need help? And then I know uh, for that person, I knew that he'd been, his uncle had been, had already entered the end of life stage. Now, end of life stage from a hospice perspective is where the person can basically die or pass any moment. Like it could happen anytime. So this person I knew had been staying overnight for multiple nights. So that's when the restrictions are removed and people, the, the uh, visitors or the family members are allowed to stay for extended hours. Right. So I just knew I had seen this guy's name in the registers and the visitors registers. And I just, felt like asking him just like that i said hey man like how are you holding up and the guy just stopped doing what he was doing he looked at me and just opened up completely like exactly what his state of mind was i said how's your uncle holding up shares the same then we got a little bit of chat done and he got his pass and he's about to leave and he stops he turns and he says you know Thank you so much for doing what you're doing. I'm like, uh, thank you. Well, you're welcome. And I couldn't quite, at that point, I could not grasp what he just told me. But when he went, I was elated. I was, I could not believe like what a privilege and honor it has been to just be in that space at that moment with this random or a stranger whose journey for seeing his uncle pass is going to sort of come to an end anytime or would have come to an end in the next couple of days. But I would never see him again because we weren't allowed to exchange contact information as volunteers, right? So you cannot, cannot say, hey, yeah, let's stay in touch because you don't really want to refer to the fact that we met at a hospice, right? And also in that situation, right? So. Uh, consciously, we are not allowed to do that. So I was like, I am never going to see this person again. But just being able to contribute at that moment, just listening, right? Just being there as a volunteer in the true spirit, just listening. And getting that kind of comment back from this person, it just energized me. for sharing your story and thank you for listening to the stories we don't tell podcast to keep up to date on upcoming events get your very own copy of the stories we don't tell book and sign up for our newsletter visit storieswedonttell.org all music was composed by singer-songwriter Arlene Pakulin find her at officialarlene.com Today's episode is brought to you by Sunny Weather. Sunny Weather, when you're feeling miserable on the inside.